0: A Warning, this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered a substitute for legal advice. And if you have a question or wish to act upon the information in this podcast, we recommend you consult an attorney in your particular state. Welcome back to punk law 101 everybody it is I it is Walter we are here back on the punk law 101 podcast uh, we will be joined shortly by mr. John Rinaldi uh, today we're going to talk about a couple of uh, Supreme Court opinions that came out one dealing with the gas pipeline one dealing with uh, complete ineptitude of the of a uh, of an attorney on a death row patient a patient uh, death row patient uh, defendant and uh and also uh the the recent employment uh law decision dealing with the uh LGBT community because uh you know that Gorsuch wrote that opinion and uh, me and John are going to talk about that also the supreme court denied um hearing the qualified immunity uh with police officers they aren't going to take up a case on that uh this next se- uh, session and they also are not taking up a case on uh, on ice right on uh on uh, on and we'll talk a bit about that going into this episode so let's welcome back on my buddy our friend mr john rinaldi of legal aid in newark new jersey and uh welcome back to punk law 101 uh i'm walter and we are here with mr john rinaldi in so- new jersey yeah, there's a, a lot of stuff that happened this week. Yeah, yeah. The, the lawyers in New Jersey part, there should have been like some kind of particular like snapshot of that. Like, oh, New Jersey lawyers specifically. But <laughs> a lot of the stuff we're talking about is uh, applicable to some more than just being New Jersey or New York lawyers.
1: Well, I mean, given um, the topic of uh, Supreme Court, it's applicable to everyone.
0: <laughs> that is true. So, yeah, we're talking today about the Supreme Court decisions that came out. Uh, a couple of the the stuff that they denied hearing, but also three of the opinions that came out yesterday. Um, you know, there's going to be more coming out on Thursday, right? So we'll hear more yeah, that. I was going to
1: say to you before we were talking, before we started rolling, like it's not over yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a good thing. That's a good thing to get like chances to break things down. And, you know, once we hear more of the, the stuff that comes out on Thursday, I, you know, we'll have another episode out for that one.
1: I do appreciate that they kind of put the big splashy one out first.
0: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, let's talk about that, that uh, Bostock versus Clayton County, Georgia. And uh, that was a, a big deal. Everybody was talking about it, man. That was the, uh, you cannot be fired for being gay or trans in, uh, in your employment. They, they basically interpreted the federal uh, Civil Rights Act, Title VII, and said, listen, it says you can't discriminate on the basis of sex. We interpret that as being including of gender identity
1: i mean i think what got people was that it was a 6-3 given the conservative makeup of the court but in fairness i was not surprised by this i had a very strong feeling that it was going to come down to a 6-3 maybe a 5-4 uh my, my reasoning for that being is like gorsuch had actually like written an opinion in the dc circuit that was kind of along those lines so i'm like well gorsuch is probably Probably good for that. And as I said to you a million times, I think because it's Roberts' court, he yeah. cares way too much about how history going to look at him. And I don't think he would have wanted his name on 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 that on a dissent anyway.
0: I, well, not I, only that, he gets to, the fact that he was a part of that opinion. He got to choose who wrote the opinion.
1: Yeah, but I I don't know that I, I don't know that they gained any real advantage. Gorsuch was pretty pretty thorough in that opinion
0: and it relied it (laughs) relied a lot on something that a lot of conservatives like to talk about which is textualism and my favorite was ben shapiro's rant on twitter i think (laughs) i sent you that oh my god
1: i remember people were were putting up the 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 tweet that ben shapiro put up back in like 2017 saying that like gorsuch is going to be a great conservative pick (laughs) that didn't play out too well for you there did it I mean, it depends on
0: your definition of conservative in this regard.
1: that's true, but let's be real. Like, what Ben Shapiro's opinion of conservative is that it didn't work out for him.
0: I think that's the mistake that most people have, is that they look at conservative like political conservative and that there is a broad uh, spectrum, especially for Supreme Court justices, how they could interpret the law. You might have a judge that you interpret as being conservative, but Con- but, you know, for instance, in this case, Gorsuch is conservative, but he's more of a textualist, originalist, conservative. But he interpreted the, you know, something that he pointed out, the thing that is big about this is that he focused extremely on the text, which was, you guys mentioned sex, and then he kind of went, oh, but four,
1: oh, yeah, they kind of add the but four yeah, test he, in there. he went very deep into how but four causes work.
0: <laughs> you know, if you're going to go ahead and fire somebody who is trans you know you're basically firing them on the basis of sex if you're firing somebody who's gay you're firing them for something that if they were in the other you know if they were born the other sex you wouldn't be firing them
1: for. the nuance that i i took from it was what he was saying was you can fire someone for okay how should i put this because like the, the way that he worded it, it was like yeah. You you could technically fire someone for being gay or trans, but the moment that you do, you must take sex into account. I think he's like making that very nuanced argument. If it's not yeah. the fact that you fired them for being homosexual, it's mm. the fact that you did it but in order to even find out, in order for someone to find for you to find out someone is homosexual or trans, you then have to know what the original sex was. <laughs> that I guess under under a veil of ignorance, you could do it, but that's like not a tenable so like you can't really do that in real life. Yeah, it was, it was extremely nuanced. it was uh, to me it was an almost tortured point. like you didn't have to make that point, but I understand what you're saying.
0: <laughs> Which I think is why Roberts wanted him to write the opinion and not like say Gorsuch had, say it was a five4 opinion. <laughs> It would have been Ginsburg deciding who wrote the
1: opinion. See, and, like, and it I, could have been, I still don't believe that Roberts would have wanted his name on um, that dissent. I, I, I really don't think he would have wanted that. This is the Roberts court. Does he really want, you know, 30, 40 years from now to people to look back and be like, yeah, the chief justice was against civil rights. Well, he was against
0: uh, Oberfell, wasn't he? He was on was, the dissent yeah. on that. Yeah, he was on the dissent on that.
1: Yeah, but he was, wasn't, that the, was chief, only a he wasn't the chief justice then wasn't he i don't think he was didn't kennedy retire shortly after
0: well kennedy wasn't the the the, the,
1: the oh crap uh, i'm getting my justices mixed up who was, who, who was the chief justice
0: the the one before roberts i think was was a reinquest?
1: No, reinquest i don't know i get them me- i
0: No, because we were talking about the, the so basically they outlawed discrimination in the workplace here and uh let's see the thing that is, there's two things that we were talking about before uh, we started rolling was the effect on other laws and how they're going to be interpreted with this, because it's very like very specific what they focused on, which was sex and things like the Fair Housing Act, which, you know, was amended in 1974 to include discrimination on the basis of sex, like, and there's 24 states that don't interpret it to include LGBTQ people like now you might get interpretations of that more broadly across the country
1: i mean i'm i'm certain that this is going to have like some some cascading effects on on that type of thing i just the to to me the the biggest thing that that sticks out in my mind is that you know trump changing all the health regulations to let doctors uh discriminate against trans individuals probably isn't going to survive now given Given this ruling, I don't know how you could square the two.
0: We have to stand uh, the Ruckers people who are involved in this. So apparently uh, Katie Iyer is a law professor at Ruckers.
1: Oh, I did not know that.
0: Well, she co-authored the amicus brief on behalf of uh, the scholars' uh, statutory interpretation and equity law.
1: Oh, I was arguing
0: the textualism element to it. So that was uh, uh, requiring a f- the favor in front uh, you know, so That's even that was...
1: One of the things that I, I like so much is that people were going like, – like some uh, more conservative pundits were like, oh, well, it shouldn't just be textualism. What about Congress's intent? I'm like, well, you can't have both. <laughs> you, can't, you can't pick one. It reinforces to me that it's textualism when it's, when it's beneficial to us yeah. and congressional intent every, like, when that's beneficial.
0: Well, that was something we discussed earlier, which was, like before we got on, was that it, just because you wrote it a certain way, we see this with laws all the time where they are written a certain way, but because they are written badly or they are written not with the, you know, they are written and then they go out into the world and judges interpret them, it left it up to open interpretation as to what would be discrimination on the basis of sex. So just because that wasn't what they intended doesn't mean that's how it ended up being.
1: I did kinda like in the opinion, uh, Gorsuch kinda like slaps that down with we only look to uh congressional intent when it's when it's not when it's ambiguous and there is no amb- ambiguity here. Like, oh, that's that may not sound like a like like a slap down, but that was in judicial language.
0: Oh yeah. I mean that that's a hundred percent true though. Like that's you know, if you have a clear way of interpreting it. And this I honestly think Gorsuch's way of interpreting it is the correct way. It's very clear. It again, like it's it it's almost kind of so straightforward you're kinda of asking why are we litigating this? But because I because that wasn't the intention thirty you know, thirty years ago.
1: I mean, and like the argument that people were making was like, fine, you want to take congressional intent into uh, consideration. Why don't we revisit Heller? And let's look at congressional intent when the second amendment was written. Yeah. Like, you know, like you you can't be a textualist for the Second Amendment and then you know, scream about uh, you know, congressional intent everywhere else. Like that's just not you can't do that.
0: Oh yeah. Well that that brings up the whole um what's it called? The uh the the whole BS around textualism and originalism to begin yeah, with, which I is it, many
1: feelings are, about this.
0: People who are people who claim they are originalists are originalists when it works for them, exactly. and then yeah. So I that's I, always I, kind of the problem I with them. Yet
1: to meet an originalist who like doesn't make excuses for things that they want,
0: like Citizens United, exactly. like that went <laughs> that went against two hundred years of precedent. You know, um, same thing with what you're saying with Heller. It's.
1: I mean, no, do 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 our listeners know what Heller is? Um, they might not. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, it's uh, the, sec- uh, the Second Amendment, right? Uh, it was uh, Scalia's favorite. It was like, that was, that's one of the ones that people point out to as far as Scalia um, not being an originalist.
1: Yeah, and, and, and that's always the, the thing that I bring up is like, well, okay, you're, you're an originalist until it's inconvenient. Like, Scalia did it, he literally <laughs> did that. And it's like, I, I, I don't understand how you can have that position. Or at least not in good, I mean, at least in good faith anyway. Like how can you in good faith say you're an originalist? And then like, let's be fair. Originalism is kind of stupid because it, 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 it implies that Congress at the time of the, con- like the constitution was written, was able to look forward and anticipate every possible issue that could ever arise And if they couldn't imagine it, we just, oh, well.
0: I I think it's even, I I think it's just dumb in the regards to, like, with originalism, there's nobody who's not a textualist. There's nobody who looks at, like, who looks at a law and it just ignores what was written on the page. Like, when you're interpreting something like that, you are, you know, you you do need the text to be involved. So I, I... the, the people who complain about, like, uh, the, the originalists who sit there and complain about it, like, there's nobody who doesn't do that part of it, but there's more to it.
1: I mean, to me, the real question is, like, give me the originalist, you know, opinion on, like, the internet. <laughs> like, tell me, what <laughs> what would the founding fathers have done with that? They wouldn't know. And so we have to have judges interpret the laws that were written and kind of work them into the modern understanding of the world. It 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 it, it creates a, a like a, a worldview that is just completely untenable.
0: Yeah, I I don't know. I think people make too much of a big deal. Of, I'm an originalist, and that's that's all they they just determine themselves to be, and they think that's the the that's one. Stupid. <laughs> yeah. Um. The other major thing that I, we were talking about before was that Oberf- like, there was basically this giant gap in Oberfell. Like, after Oberfell was decided, you're talking about now five years ago, where people could get married, and you can't fire them for being married, but you could fire them for being gay Like in these, the, the amount of states that were that's still like, previous to this decision, where they didn't have a law against discrimination on the basis of gender identity,
1: I mean, my guess is it just it just takes years for these cases to work their way through the courts. So, like, like when when, when was this lawsuit even filed? I'm sure it had to be years ago. Um, let's see if I could pull that up. Like, because like the first filing was probably like three, maybe four years ago. Because like working your way through through the through the circuit courts takes forever
0: yeah it well i'm just saying it, it left this weird gap in the law so people well, yeah. who, who before the you know this was decided you had five years of again you can't fire somebody on the basis of who they are married to and you can't and you can't fire but you could still fire them for being gay so there's this weird thing going on so like you can be dating somebody and you couldn't tell anybody you worked with
1: i think my point being is like the court probably knew this was a, a gap but they yeah, had to they were... wait for the question to come up because they, they couldn't really slip that in. To... Oh, yeah, you couldn't like they, do that. They, You can't do that. You just kind of have to wait for it to happen. And like, well, there's a gap in the law for a couple of years until this case worked its way up to the Supreme Court.
0: And that's, that's the other thing about law is that you need something, you need a case in order to decide something. It's, it also might be like we were talking before, and actually we, we didn't bring it up, but there was also a couple of denials for cases uh, as far as what they might hear next term, uh, one of them was the qualified immunity case.
1: Yeah. And
0: that might be one of those things where they sat there and said, "Maybe this case isn't what we want to work with this on." Maybe they they're waiting for a better case to come down the pike, kind of deal. That
1: could be it, or like it could be that they just think that like states need to do this.
0: States or Congress needs to go ahead and yeah, like
1: order to this. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're kind of passing the buck on this and say you guys figure it out
0: yeah I get that I uh, you know it was just funny because like you had mentioned like a week or two ago like oh Clarence Thomas was like interested in revisiting it and I guess nobody else on the Supreme Court was
1: yeah I, but see that's 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 why I think there has to be some sort of like scheming going on because it, like 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 we've said before you only need four justices to hear a case yeah and if you're telling me that before liberal justices, Plus Thomas said no there's, there's got to be a reason for that
0: and part of that might be the idea of like bad cases make bad law like you might have a case that comes up and it either fits perfectly with what you've already established and you can't you're either overturning precedent and is there a way to find a a, a way of revisiting it that gives you a good case to, to base this on. So Yeah, because I,
1: I think there are four justices on the court who would want to hear this.
0: I definitely uh, think there's some uh, justices on the court that don't, though.
1: Well, that, that's true, too, but I think they're in the minority on this one. And like, actually, I,
0: I could see Roberts not wanting to hear it. Perhaps. Because that that means you're turning over years of precedent, and that there's a there's I mean,
1: a... but the thing is, though, you're turning over what is probably a bad precedent, which is oh like, no, yeah, that's fine. Like you can do that. <laughs> like, like like like, like like big cases overturn bad precedent. That that's fine. No one's gonna look at you unfavorably for like. <sighs> I don't know. I, I, there has to be something going on behind the scenes there. they're just
0: well, Like, for instance, Loving versus Virginia. like, And they just celebrated like 53 years of that the other day. Yeah,
1: and like, and like no one's mad about that. I mean, I'm sure maybe there are some people that are mad about that.
0: But, but I think that was a case where they, they decided to take a very specific case to go ahead and apply a better law, where they sat there and looked at the, the, the case where it was like, I, I think that was, hey, we're going to pick a palatable case. We're going to fight. We're going to win this one and it made it all the way to the Supreme Court, and they won. I mean, Whereas, I, I think this is one of those cases where, again, I, it depends on what case is on the table, too.
1: Yeah, I mean, th- that's the, yeah, like, I don't think he would say no to it because he's afraid of it. There, there, there has to be some reason that, like, we are not privy to where he's just like, this is not the right case, or this is not the right time.
0: Yeah. Well, it also could be that, hey, it's going to look like we're being swayed by public opinion.
1: I mean, but, like, so what?
0: I mean, it's happened before. We've seen it in the slaughterhouse cases where actually public opinion did kind of sway.
1: Yeah, like, I mean, I I don't see – I think the the, the argument in my head is if you are doing what you believe is, is being on the right side of history, then, like, whatever no one is like mad at you know the court for like brown v board of ed (laughs) no one's again maybe some people are mad about that but you know when when, you're making when you're doing things that are you know big social changes that are aligned with public opinion i i don't really see the problem like so what if you were swayed by public opinion that, that I, I think it depends
0: on the justice how they feel about it. I think I think Roberts would not be a big fan of that. I think some of the other ones might be interested in that specifically Ginsburg and and Breyer. I think though they would probably be um and and, uh, and and Sotomayor, who by the way, one of the cases that bringing up her dissent in one of the cases actually pretty good.
1: Which one was that? I I, I got the cases mixed up in my head. Which one did you uh like united states forest
0: service versus yeah
1: uh, I, I thought 4. it was the, the the pipeline one that's right
0: yeah that one's a that's a, dude by the way that opinion's so complicated
1: <laughs> i i was gonna say that's a case where like people are like taking making hot takes about it and it's like it's so much more complex than that
0: <laughs> they're looking over like three different statutes and is it an easement and uh it, it, we'll, we'll touch on that one one second let's, let's talk about the one other case that was denied Uh, which was uh, the ICE case that was uh, the the Ninth Circuit uh, based in San Francisco. Basically, what happened is uh, San Francisco sheriff said that I don't want to go ahead. And uh, uh, they basically came up with a policy was the new policy was that illegal immigrants arrested for petty crimes won't be held in jail longer than necessary. And even if the U.S. immigration agents may want to, them detained for possible deportation, they still wouldn't keep them. Instead, starting, like, the Wednesday that they were going to do it, deputies will treat the eligible uh, people for release, like U.S. citizens. They'll be cited to appear in court. And uh, this policy was an attempt to basically comply with the sanctuary city thing that, that San Francisco was doing. And... Uh, I mean, you know, he said, and basically, the sheriff was like, listen, it, I'm in a weird position. They want to do this sanctuary city thing. I'm trying to enforce local law and not violate federal law, and this is the way we could do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I think what happened here was that the court declined to hear it simply because they weren't like the Trump administration was going to lose, and they're just like, we're just not going to bother. Well, like, yeah. That- we, like, we. We don't need to reaffirm this. There is established law, whatever.
0: Yeah, the the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals said they, the they didn't that the sheriff didn't have to enforce the federal law, and basically said San Francisco local officials had no duty to help immigration agents enforce federal law. And we have a case like this. It's called Prince versus U.S., which was established I only like it's not even that old of a case. Yeah, I was gonna say
1: it's relatively to recent, wasn't it? It's
0: like twenty-five years ago. It's like you know, in my in my head, a twenty-five-year-old case being the precedent that we're Depends talking about. That's why
1: I said relatively recent. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, it's 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 older than So <laughs> well,
1: I mean, yes, but it's not older than us.
0: Yeah. Which, that yeah, it's a shocker when we're, we're talking about cases being like this major press. But yeah, it's like in the last like 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, you know, established that the the federal government can't basically uh, force the state government's uh, policing agencies to, to, to carry out their laws under the necessary and proper clause. Yeah. And I, I think that was actually that was a 5-4 decision that had a lot of its own kind of complications to it. <laughs>
1: I think what happened here, like, part of it was, in my head, that they declined to take it, not only just because of that, but because, like, yeah, like, the conservative justices could have said, no, we want to take this, but probably realized they didn't have a majority, and were like, well, let's just, let's not, like, because if they had agreed to take it, and then they, you know, they lose, well, now it's been reaffirmed by the Supreme Court let's just leave it with the circuits. And if the circuits want to split, the circuits can split. And they usually, also, I mean, they probably won't, frankly, I, I, I'm, I shouldn't say that. Maybe they will.
0: Well, usually when we see a case like this, it means that the, the lower court got it right.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, it's like, impl- it's implied that, yeah. you know, the other circuits are going to look at the ninth circuit and say, well, they they got it right. That's a pretty persuasive argument because what are you going to do? You're going to go to a, a judge in another circuit and say, well, the Supreme Court had a chance to say that they were wrong, and they didn't. So you would imply that they were right, but, I mean, they're not bound by that. They could, There could still be a circuit split and force the Supreme Court's hand, but uh, that's not going to happen anytime soon, apparently.
0: What, what was shocking with that one was Clarence Thomas and Alito both said they actually were interested in taking that case. Of
1: course they were, <laughs> we know how they would have voted.
0: Well, that's weird because wasn't Clarence? I felt like Clarence Thomas was one of the ones who voted uh, like on the Prince case and voted the other direction. So I'm like. But again, a part of it sometimes is just... Brutal. But
1: remember, this is also, I will vote for this when it is, uh, when, when it is, uh, you know, convenient <laughs> for me, and I will vote against it when it's not what I want. Yeah. I, I, I think I said this, well, I might be echoing because I walked in the kitchen to grab another beer, um, but I think I said this on, on one of the other episodes, Clarence Thomas is the biggest Uncle Tom to have ever lived. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, do, I have no respect for the man whatsoever.
0: This is going to be your... Log logline every time I
1: can <laughs> make that my catchphrase <laughs> no, I'm going to rant about this for a quick second he had the nerve to vote no on, on gay marriage when he himself is married to a white woman and his marriage would have been illegal under the exact for, for the exact same justifications 50 years prior fuck you, you don't get to do that <laughs> Oh, I'm allowed to have interracial marriage, but you can't have gay marriage. Anyway, fuck him, Uncle Tom. I'm done. <laughs> uh,
0: all right, so let's talk about uh, one of the other two cases. Um, there was uh, we talked about the pipeline case, which again is this is a much more complicated one. And, f- and basically, the it, w- it was funny because if you read Sotomayor's dissent in this, she goes like. Yeah, they focus on a lot of very complicated concepts like easements and things. Like, and, and she goes, "Like, it didn't need to be this complicated." Yeah, <laughs> they, were, they, they It was a very complicated discussion of private law easements, footpath maintenance, differently worded statutes, and policy masks. Simply, uh, like, uh, ma- and it masks the dispute that's going on, which was
1: <laughs> actually real quick. If if we're talking about dissent, can we very briefly touch on Alita's dissent <laughs> because it just reeked of salt. <laughs> oh on uh yeah uh, on uh yes um uh, all i I have to say about it is this alito is not scalia he cannot write a scathing dissent and make it entertaining he just seemed mad scalia's dissents like they were funny (laughs) i disagreed with them but they were funny alito was just mad like oh dude like
0: yeah I, he, he, he echoed the same thing. The problem is is that Alito and Thomas have no
1: direction without Scalia. I know I, I feel like the like literally the head of the snake has been, has, has been, has been cut off, and the body is just withering because let's be real, Thomas was kind of just Scalia's lackey.
0: And Alito wasn't much better either.
1: No, I mean, yeah, but I feel like it was less apparent. But the both of them just did whatever Scalia wanted. And like now that he's gone, oh.
0: And and Kavanaugh uh, is basically just Alito
1: 2.0. I I don't even know if that's true, though. Yeah. It's it's too early to know. It's too early to know.
0: Yeah, we we need to see more opinions from him. My the reason why I was thinking is kind of just how he joined in on this opinion,
1: and yeah, that that was surprising to me too. I I, I, I don't know.
0: Basically, what happened with the uh, United States Forest, which was the uh, the gas pipeline case, is that you have this uh, this piece of land and. There's really some. There was some dispute as to who's in charge of it and what it was called, right? Is it a and, and is it a an easement that's controlled by the? Let's see the the Appalachian. You know, it's called the Appalachian National Scenic Trail, which is like you know, is it part of the park system? It, does it fall under the 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 Mineral Leasing Act? And the Mineral Leasing Act authorizes the Secretary of the Interior to. Uh, to grant rights away for for natural gas pipelines through any federal lands, but it particularly excludes the national park system. So the real question is, is this piece of land that we're talking about here part of the national park system? And it it goes over who's controlling it. You know, uh, uh, at one point it was, uh, was it the organic? They they go over four different acts, by the way. (laughs) It's like you—you you really do need like a diagram of of like yeah, some it, of this stuff.
1: I, I I can feel the eyes of the people who will listen to this in the future glazing over.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's basically it, they focus on a thing called easements, which is weirdly dis- like. Why are you talking about an easement in this? Where it's like I mean, it's all public X land. Property class. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like I said I, I liked the way Sotomayor wrote her opinion because it basically walked everybody through. Now, granted, her opinion was the dissenting opinion. Uh, basically, what ended up happening is that they ruled that the the Secretary of the Interior, who can he can assign his ability to to grant leases on pieces of federal property to to other members, including the Park Service. So basically, he, it, the question was whether he had that authority to do it. Uh, which, because here they were they were giving a lease to uh, a company to put the the gas pipeline in underneath it.
1: It's very complex and has to do with land use.
0: <laughs> has to do with land use. Has to do with who, what agency is really in charge of this piece of property, and and whether they had the right to assign, uh, give a lease to this to this piece of property, and whether it was considered part of the park system or is it just federal land? So. And the the court held that they were eligible to to grant the this land right to they were able to to grant the lease to to the company. Which even Ginsburg joined in on the on the Yeah,
1: I was gonna say majority people should, side. like cut Ginsburg a little slack here. This is not a very this is a very complex case like I understand the why. I may not like the outcome, but I get it.
0: I, I kind of disagree with I disagree with uh, my ear on this. I think that she walked it through very perfectly, and it was like who, uh, she walked through who had control over this this piece of property and and whether it's considered an easement Well listen, it's a piece of land it's under the the park system They, they treated it as a unit of the park system. But yeah, it's a complicated case. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to touch on it. I don't think we. I don't think we should spend yeah, I, twenty minutes I, 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 on this I don't one think because people
1: really want to know about like the finer points of like federal land use.
0: I do think so. There were a lot of people who were upset about it, though, and well, they were yeah, upset I, about Ginsburg, like you had mentioned. Before yeah, I, getting I, I think it's Black a case on it.
1: where, I think it's a case where emotions run high, but yeah. the actual like mechanics of the case are not that interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of like. Uh, bankruptcy which like it's the mechanics of it are not sexy um just just you know it's foreshadowing that's what that's what the point of that was it's not the, the mechanics of it are, are not sexy but the 50 mile high view might be a little bit interesting to some people where it's like yeah So let, let's move on because I think this is gonna <laughs> a bit of a downer <laughs> yeah it's uh gas pipelines going in sorry folks that's that's the that's the downside of it there's a gas pipeline going in maybe people protest it and fight back and who knows
1: who knows? Maybe they'll maybe they'll burn this pipeline like they did that other one.
0: Yeah. So, okay, let's talk about uh, the last one that was really, that came out this week was the Terrence Tremaine Andres case versus Texas. And uh, they basically, so basically this guy had uh, attempted a carjacking and I believe somebody died in the process of this case. He had to have died because it's a death penalty case.
1: I mean, it's Texas. They give you the death penalty for anything, so...
0: But um, this was actually a inef- uh, ineffective assistance to counsel case. So basically, we're basically saying his attorney sucked dick. His attorney yeah. sucked so much, and <laughs> not for nothing. Reading this case, it, it made sense why the-, the even the court, like uh, even the Supreme Court, was like, ah, uh, you guys kind of fucked up. Uh, this guy well, fucked up bad.
1: The crazy part is, it's like the- how you have to fuck up really hard in order for, for for an ineffective assistance of counsel thing to like to happen you have to like you almost have to try on purpose i i i, okay. I don't i don't understand i i really don't like how, how did you fuck up that hard man
0: but this is actually sexier than the gas pipeline case right this guy unsuccessfully attempted a carjacking uh, he was under the influence of PCP lace marijuana and after the bungled attempt, he fired multiple shots, killing the car owner and a bystander, and the state charged him with capital murder. And uh, during the guilt phase of the trial, defense counsel declined to present an opening statement. Uh, after the state rested its case, he immediately rested as well. And oh, oh hang on. There's more so, to it.
1: So he did nothing.
0: There's he does even less. Hang on uh and in his clo- <laughs> he does less um in his closing statement defense counsel conceded his guilt and informed the jury that the trial would boil down to the punishment phase
1: that's so- that's a comical level <laughs>
0: Well, okay, I, I understand that there is a, a basis for this. This might not be totally, especially for states where you have a capital punishment state, where you do have a two different trials. You have both the trial for guilt, and then you have the trial for the death penalty. I mean, which but you have to in try, Texas. though. So, so basically, what he's saying is, listen, I can't win the first case, right? I just think that the evidence is too far out there. Um, there wasn't anything I could provide as far as the first phase of this. Okay, maybe you have an argument to that. Punishment phase, right? <sighs> Hang on. May- I'm saying maybe, but we go to the punishment phase. Dude, he doesn't do much here either. Um, Once again, uh, he presented no opening statement. What the fuck? Uh, in his three-day case, the state put forth evidence that Andreas had displayed aggressive and hostile behavior in a juvenile detention center. Uh, he made no material objection to the state's evidence as far as... Uh, As to his tattoos being gang affiliated, uh, that Andreas had hit and kicked and thrown out of uh, prison officials while he was waiting trial. Um, They, when the defense had to do their case as far as mitigation goes, he had called Andreas's mother to testify, but he had never met with her.
1: What? This person did not try. No, I. I, I, I understand being in the position of my client probably fucking did it and there's not much I can do, but the, the, the problem isn't that you lost. The problem is you didn't try.
0: Yeah. Um, so there's, there's even more to this. Hang there's on. There's
1: a minimum level that you have to attempt. Otherwise, you should be disbarred. I'm sorry.
0: The base the, the direct examination of the mother right focused on uh, biographical information and did not reveal any difficult circumstances to Andreas's childhood. Meanwhile it comes out later on and even, by the way this shows how little he he knew his client his client had a, a horrible childhood he was like one of like seven kids he, um, his mother could not take care of him in fact uh, when he met with uh, one of the experts on the case, the expert was saying, like, I think she, you know, actually, she took a 10000 the mother took a $10,000 policy out on Andreas that if he had been executed, she gets to collect on. What? <laughs> um, and th- this, you can't make this up. This is why I wanted to go into some of the facts. What
1: on the this. fuck?
0: Uh, this is, yeah, this is why I wanted to go into some of the facts. You on
1: didn't one, bring this up story. in questioning? No. Nah. I would have put that up in questioning. Just make the jury feel something for this guy so you don't kill him. His
0: second witness was the biological father with whom Andreas had lived with. That guy had been in jail for a bit. So now you're almost establishing, almost like psychologically to to the jury and to the judge, that, hey, this guy is a, a long line of criminal affairs.
1: Man, I'm sorry, for me? The moment where if I'm on that jury, I'm like, all right, maybe we shouldn't kill him. Is the moment that his mom took out a life insurance policy. He didn't him. know
0: <laughs> that part was not known to the jury at the time.
1: That is, that is, 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 is beyond that. That's, oh my God, I didn't even know you could do that.
0: <laughs> By the way, so he never, so initially he was going to just put up the dad and the mom. And once uh, the, the dad stepped down, he was going to arrest the case. Then the court questioned him on it about his choice during a sidebar discussion, and then the counselor changed his mind and decided to call an additional witness.
1: Again, I understand knowing that you're not going to win, but at what point do you, you're already there. You may as well try. No one's going no one one to... Gonna...
0: Keep in mind, one of these people is an expert witness, so he knew he had him as a potential witness.
1: I, I just don't understand what, it, it, what is the mentality of I'm not even going to try.
0: I don't know. Like, this is, and this is why this is an ineffective assistance account. Yeah, like, you
1: you walk in there and, you know, like I, I've had cases where like, dude got caught with pot. Oh, well, there's really not much we can do about it. But I didn't go, well, frankly, your honor, he did it. And you should throw the book at him. Like, no, that's not, that's not what you do. You try you make the argument, and then the judge can tell you that your argument's bad, and then well, we, you try like well, what do you want me to do? So yeah, that, I, I truly hope this attorney got sanctioned. that's uh, well that's then, beyond
0: it, 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 it gets worse. it continues to get worse. the how, more how can it possibly get worse? <laughs> so he then calls Dr. John Roach, who's his expert witness who he wasn't originally gonna call when he rested, right? Then he focuses only on the general effects of drug use on developing adolescent brains you know i didn 't really pull enough testimony out of the mother had not called Andreas himself to testify yet um and by the way uh the state quizzed dr roach on his rele- uh his relevance and purpose of his testimony probing po uh as the whether uh uh, why he drove three hours to tell the jury That people change their behavior When they use drugs Like <sighs> like so and, and actually Roach later on testifies In the habeas hearing As to the attorney's ineffective Assistance counsel uh, The next witness was A prison counselor who would work with Andres And start having, uh, testify That he had remorse the past two months And was making progress all right, that showed he was kind of like that might be, he might be getting better. That might provide a little bit of mitigation, but not a lot. And then he finally had Andres testify and he, con- he contradicted his mother's depiction of his upbringing, stated that he had had, uh, his mother was selling drugs when he was a kid, uh, since he was, he, yes, uh, when he was around six years old, and that he and his siblings were often home alone when they were growing up. His first time using drugs was when he was 15. And, uh, they spent about... There's four pages of the transcript talking about his childhood. So, after this whole thing, they sentenced him to death. Uh, unsuccessfully appealed, and... Uh, what, what what appellate court didn't see a problem with that? Then he filed a habeas application. Oh, my God. Uh, for... Ineffective for failing to... Uh, you know, basically... Saying his attorney was ineffective in failing to investigate or present available mitigation evidence uh, during an eight-day evidentiary hearing, the Texas trial court categorized it as a tidal wave of information with regard to the mitigation evidence. So, and, and it revealed his childhood was marked with neglect in private, uh, and private uh, and is filled with negligence and abuse was born in a neighborhood where there was frequent shootings and drug overdoses and gang fights. That uh, his mother had her okay, so he had she had five children. The second of her five children, him, was born when she was seventeen. the The children's fathers never stayed as part of the family. Um, there it was just such a disgusting mess that this guy had been through, and you know, like it was so none of this came up during the original trial. So you could have went through his whole background here. Um there were two experts that were brought up in this, although well, one of them wasn't called, I think. Uh they also brought the fact that he actually while he was waiting trial tried to commit suicide, tried to slash his wrists. Um there's just so much to this of how bad this guy screwed up.
1: I mean, I I will I just to point out, I, I looked up the attorney's name. Uh he apparently died last year, so disbarment not necessary. <laughs> Um,
0: I was just trying to see if there was more. So he was basically, a
1: former prosecutor too. That doesn't surprise me.
0: Basically, the habeas court wanted to grant the petition, and then the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals rejected the trial court's recommendation for a grant of habeas relief and concluded, without elaboration, that uh, he failed to meet his burden under Strickland in Washington, which was, um. Strickland v. Washington is the, is the current case that establishes the standard for determining when a criminal defendant's uh, Sixth Amendment right as counsel has been violated due to his attorney's inadequate performance. And you need to per, uh, establish beyond a preponderance of the evidence that the counsel's performance fell below an objective standal- standard of reasonableness and that the performance gives rise to a reasonable probability that if counsel had performed adequately, the result would have been different.
1: Mm. Now I think we should clarify for people. Uh, this does not mean that that uh, what was it, his name was uh, uh, Andres, wasn't it?
0: Andres. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Andres is not now free and clear. He's probably going to get a new trial. Yeah. He's probably going to find him guilty. There's still a good chance they're going to kill him. <laughs> but yeah, you bought some time, at the very least. I mean, it's entirely possible if the outcome is the same, even with a competent attorney. Frankly, given the. Facts of the case. Yeah, it, but we will see.
0: Well, I mean, if you're, you could argue there's a lot that that he could have probably argued that well, he screwed up on.
1: Again, I, well, again, the point being, it's not so much that they like sentenced him to death; it's that his attorney didn't try. Yeah. Had his attorney tried and the outcome was the same, this would not have gone as far as it did. He would be on death row right now.
0: Yeah. Uh, again, I think the the major thing that they focus on here, as far as the Supreme Court, is that is whether the preponderance of the evidence that is uh, whether they met the objection standard standard of uh, reasonableness.
1: Clearly, that, did not.
0: Well, that's well. the The Supreme Court here says that they that that they didn't take this into account. That they were that the 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 the, the lower court screwed up on this. Gorsuch and Alito and Thomas uh, join in the dissent. So
1: not surprised by that.
0: <laughs> and uh you know they 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 mentioned that uh you know according to the Supreme, according to the the majority it's unclear whether the court of criminal appeals considered Strickland's prejudice at all. Right? Like whether they even like they just went ahead and ruled on it. And they they focus on that this is contradicted by the opinion which explicitly said that he failed to show prejudice. I, I think that's kind of a weird thing, right? It's They are saying, one side is saying that he failed to show prejudice, that the, the court failed to take it into account because they didn't really address it. I mean, like he just said, oh, he failed to show prejudice and not establish why, which is kind of weird because you're asking the court to, to address a negative, like uh, kind of answer a negative
1: yeah that's odd
0: uh, but that's what the majority's saying is that they they didn't address it they didn't say well this isn't enough this isn't enough this isn't enough they you know whereas uh you know the the dissenting opinion here is saying you know he that uh that it is actually specifically addressed and that and that he failed to establish either the the, the both the objective standard of reasonableness was and the uh, reasonable probability and that
1: the result would have been different. I, I will admit the the fatalist in me understands <laughs> what the dissent is saying of like, they're going to kill him anyway, and just let him do it now.
0: Well, I think that the dissent I'm willing to put here is basically if you're saying, oh, he did not well, that's like not that's not the legal argument
1: they're making. But like, read between the lines; that's what they're saying. It's like it's not going to be any different. They did enough; the outcome will be the same if he does have a confident attorney. So, whatever.
0: Well, yeah, that's well, that's part of the reasonable probability that the result of the proceedings would be different, right? They're and saying I, that it won't be different.
1: And I, I can totally see that being the case. Yeah. That even even they'll they'll assign someone new to this and the outcome will be pretty much the same. But I still think the majority got it right, though, because it just seems rather egregious to me how little this attorney tried.
0: Oh, and I think that's why he's getting a redo. I think yeah, that's like, the point. I, think that's, like, I actually think Strickland's a little too, too much. I think Strickland's a little too harsh.
1: Yeah. That,
0: that second part of Strickland, which is the reasonable probability that the result of the proceedings would have been different, that is such a hard thing to determine without well, knowing more.
1: Again, this is why like malpractice insurance for criminal defense attorneys is like next to nothing is because we well, good fucking luck proving that. <laughs> yeah, I. I would I mean, I, 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 in my perfect world, that that wouldn't be part of Strickland and it would just be you didn't even try. <laughs> That's that's how I would view it because, like, come on, man, you have to, you have to make an attempt.
0: Yeah. So sad, that, you know. The, like again, like, uh, I mean, I I personally don't like death penalty cases anyway. But I mean, that's just we, a personal.
1: Once again, proud to be from New Jersey, a state where we don't have the death penalty.
0: Yeah, we got rid of it a long time ago.
1: Yeah, it was like in the? I want to say it was in the seventies, wasn't it? It's been a while.
0: New York, like New York, I think only recently got rid of it. Relatively recently.
1: Yeah, but the question is, when was the last time New York executed someone? Like there are states That's that have too. it, but they just don't use it.
0: It's expensive. It's a tough process, it's and honestly, a pain. Like, I mean, yeah, it's a pain And it also, does it, it? It. I think a lot of states are moving away from it. Although Trump apparently uh, put three cases for the death penalty for the federal three three uh, federal cases up on the, the to try to push him forward which is weird like i've never seen that from a president to try and push forward with
1: three death penalty cases because that's that's what his base wants they want to see people die which is kind of crazy when you think about it but you know whatever i mean you know i could be wrong maybe trump's base doesn't want to see people die maybe the man just a sociopath uh
0: clearly i i honestly think that's i i don't know man that, that one was that was weird though when i saw that pop up this week that there was three cases that are all kind of looking for stays or trying to, 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 to make sure that because I, at least one of them was uh, a, what called call. Um, what's the phrase? It's a, it's a, it was a murder case, but what happened was he himself, it was a felony murder case.
1: I was going to, I was going to guess that, but I didn't want to be wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was oh, a, fe- a felony essentially- murder
1: rule. That's a that. I haven't heard of that for a while.
0: Well, there's a lot of case, There's a lot of there's a lot of states that use the felony murder rule, and that that's that a big deal. Well, I don't. Deal for I,
1: don't them. I don't think we have felony murder in New Jersey, right? I don't think we have that.
0: Uh, Pretty sure I we
1: don't. Yeah, I've never come across it.
0: Um. So basically, felony murder means that if you are in the process of uh, a crime, and it usually a- a includes a specific set of crimes in most states. Fel- I mean, there's... I, yeah,
1: it it has to be an inherently like I think it, like an inherently dangerous felony. Because there was that one case that that you learn in criminal law where like the dude was committing tax fraud, which is a felony, and then like someone died somehow, and they charged him with felony murder, and like that's not really what that was for.
0: <laughs> yeah, so
1: that oh, that case. I can remember the name of that case. That was a good one. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so under the model model uh, penal code there was like I think 5 or 6 of them that pop up specifically and I think it's arson, burglary. Yeah, like um,
1: if, if you're committing a non-violent felony, it doesn't apply.
0: Well, actually maybe uh, maybe the Typically. original... I'm thinking maybe the original uh, mo- uh model penal code didn't include arson for some reason. I know it includes it in New York had New York had it. Um so yeah, it means that they were committing a crime. Somebody died, and actually, a lot of times, what a lot of these cases are, somebody gets shot by the, you know, like you know, you get into a shootout, and your your partner shoots somebody, or the cops shoot somebody, or the car careens off the road, and then somebody died in the process of that, and then you are now guilty of, or at least you know, potentially guilty of felony murder, which is, I think, kind of strange thing that that was, like your intent was not to actually kill somebody, although I guess it depends on each individual circumstance.
1: I, I understand the mentality of, like, you set out to commit a serious crime and in the facilitation of that crime, someone died, and, like, but for your committing that crime, that person died, and so you indirect... I mean, but, like, isn't... That just sounds like manslaughter to me. <laughs> it's like, One, well... <laughs> honestly, intend. I... It just happened.
0: <laughs> yeah. And in fact, I think in that one case that I'm referring to, as far as I think he, the state themselves didn't move forward with such a, such a case for him. because they, they, they themselves could have tried them. And I think the federal government decided to try him instead, hmm. but they didn't want to apply the felony murder rule to them.
1: Oh, I am wrong. New Jersey does have the felony murder rule. Really? In fact, it looks like a majority of states have it.
0: I, well, it's my, it's from common law. So my
1: guess is this: a lot of most states have it, but many states just don't use it.
0: Yeah, and there might be some states that have pulled back
1: on it. Yeah, like I, I'm I'm sure it. it
0: arson's oh, no. a, I think arson's a big one where they will they they'll keep the felony murder rule in place no matter what because if you're burning down a building and somebody dies, you set the fire, you are you know that's a potential risk.
1: Yeah, but couldn't you just call that manslaughter? That like doesn't have to be. Do you really need a separate thing, though? Um, I mean, I guess if you want to, if you want to punish them more harshly, call it murder. I guess.
0: Well, in some respect, it could be second-degree murder, right? You are in some states where you are saying you were acting with such reckless disregard for human, uh, human and,
1: life. And while I am on the Wikipedia page, bear in mind this is Wikipedia. I could be wrong. The Model <laughs> Penal Code lists robbery, rape, forcible deviant sexual intercourse, arson, and burglary, and felonious escape.
0: Oh, like if you're escaping from prison and kill Yeah, like up. if
1: you go if you go on like a high-speed chase, I guess, and you crash her. Although, strangely enough, high-speed chases, like the cops tend to be the ones that kill people. <laughs> Not so much the the actual uh, person. How many yeah. times do you hear like, oh, we went on a high-speed chase, like we crashed a cruiser into like a minivan?
0: <laughs> Man, it's a, uh, uh, you know, Thursday we'll get more cases coming out.
1: Yeah, they're probably not gonna be as interesting though. We got we we, we got the big one. <laughs>
0: the the big fish of it all. I, I I don't know. I'm I'm intrigued. I have to look at what's coming I, down you the line.
1: I feel like there was another interesting one. I just don't remember. It's been a while. I remember looking at like the docket back in like February, which feels like forever ago.
0: Well, and then yeah, after I just, and then
1: I just stopped caring. And I was like, "Oh yeah, it's coming up soon." The the, the new cases that there.
0: I know that they, they announced three cases um, that they're going to take, and they asked the uh, the federal government to to submit in the Texas versus California case to submit a brief. Hmm. So, and that case has to do with uh, California wants to limit. The uh, their government officials being able to use state money to go across state lines to like say like you're in California and you're like a you're a state official they don't they like, they're basically limiting you from using state money to go to Texas for like a seminar. Just is
1: there enough money on the line for California for them to give a shit?
0: And on the basis of, well, they, the reason why they wrote this law is it has to do with sanctuary cities again. It keeps like on oh, coming up with all the immigration stuff.
1: That makes sense. I feel like that's not enough money for California to really care, but when you put it that way, I can kind of see why they might care.
0: Yeah, it has to do with, because uh, the, the law doesn't specifi- specify Texas. It says uh, any state. You, like basically, state uh, officials can't go to uh, can't use state funds to go to a state that is uh, has uh, anti. I, I don't remember what the the actual. It has to do with the uh, immigration laws, though. Mm. So that's one that they're going to take up for. I guess they're going to start hearing oral arguments on, eventually. Or they're going to. Interesting.
1: Other.
0: And they had two more that they listed for oral arguments coming up. So that's uh but that's the bulk of this week's uh stuff at least as far as what we've had so far
1: it's all the interesting stuff
0: thank you for tuning in thank you for listening that was kind of fun um again uh if you want you can follow the podcast at punk law 101 on twitter on instagram uh also on facebook uh, you can follow me at B-R-O-J-O, death is in the end of life, punch, like that delicious drink you drink in the summer, and uh, I also do a football podcast, you can check that out, it's called Draft Vice, um, uh, we talk about football and draft things and stuff like that, uh, so if you're into that shit, uh, check it out, um, squeeze me, and uh, tune in next week, we're gonna, we're, we're, we're kinda, we're working on some new intriguing episodes, we're gonna have a guest on coming up soon, hopefully. And take care, Uh, TTFN. That's all for now. Bye-bye-bye.